Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakali, and this is today's tech briefing. In this program, that's where they've come out with uh, a lot of regulations where kind of the permissions that they required initially was around 25 different permissions. They have scaled it down quite a bit and they've brought it down to four or five right now. Uh, and they've also made it a very uh, easy to apply in a single window platform called Digital Sky. That's after these headlines. China has imposed strong rules to curb gaming addiction among minors in the world's most populous nation that is also home to some of the world's biggest tech companies. Chinese regulators yesterday slashed the amount of time players under the age of 18 can spend on online games to an hour of gameplay on Fridays, weekends and holidays. The rules published by the National Press and Publication Administration said users under the age of 18 will only be able to play games from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. local time on those days, according to Xinhua news agency Reuters reports. Online gaming companies will be barred from providing gaming services to them in any form outside those hours and need to ensure they have put real name verification systems in place, according to the report. Meanwhile, Instagram said yesterday that it will require users to share their birthday an update the company says is meant to protect young people using its app, but also show them more relevant ads. Instagram was already asking people who signed up from December 2019 onwards to provide their birth dates. It will now begin prompting users who haven't previously shared a birth date to do so. While they will initially be able to dismiss the prompts, the app will eventually require birthdays for everyone who wants to keep using it. Apple's next iPhone will have the ability to utilize satellite communications, CNBC reports, citing TFI International Securities analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, a well-known Apple tracker. Kuo predicted in a note to investors on Sunday that Apple is optimistic about the trend of satellite communications and will likely include the ability to connect to extraterrestrial networks in its upcoming iPhone, according to the CNBC report. The new iPhone, widely being referred to as iPhone 13, is expected to launch next month. Kuo said Global Star, a company which has an existing satellite phone network of 24 satellites in low Earth orbit, will be the most likely partner of Apple for this. If Apple enables the relevant software functions, iPhone 13 users can call and send messages via satellite when not within 4G or 5G coverage, Kuo wrote, according to the report. Uber Technologies yesterday proposed a plan for a flexible benefits fund for app-based ride-hailing and food delivery drivers in Canada, under which all gig industry players would share data on workers' hours and earnings, Reuters reports, citing a company blog post. Under the preliminary proposal outlined in the post, the fund would provide gig workers with cash benefits towards a retirement or life insurance plan or to pay for educational or dental and health benefits not covered by Canada's universal health care system. The benefits fund would be enabled by Canada's provincial governments, Uber said in the blog post, without providing further details, but managed by ride-hailing and delivery companies. Axel, an early-stage VC firm best known in India for taking an early bet on Flipkart, has started a new funding plan called Atoms to give promising founders a shot at pre-seed funding of $250,000 with no equity dilution and one-on-one access to some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the Indian startup ecosystem. Being part of Atoms makes a startup part of not a program but Axel's portfolio, 
with all the benefits of its network, the VC firm said yesterday, announcing the plan. Axel will also help founders who get funding via Atoms find additional funding of up to $2 million from angel investors on its network, including the mentors. You can find more details on atoms.axel.com. PhonePay, a fintech company in Bangalore that is part of Walmart, has been issued an insurance broking license from the Insurance Regulatory and Development Authority of India. Last year, PhonePay entered the insurance sector with a limited insurance corporate agent license, which restricted the company to partnering with only three insurance companies per category. Now, with this new direct broking license, PhonePay can distribute insurance products from all insurance companies in India. The new broking license also allows PhonePay to start offering personalized product recommendations to its 300 plus million users, the company said in a press release yesterday. Last week, India's central government notified new rules that did away with several onerous requirements for businesses looking to build or operate drones. Many hoped that these liberalized rules could pave the way for startups to ramp up the use of drones for everything from delivery of medicines and e-commerce purchases to aerial surveys for agriculture and conservation in India. I spoke with Swapnik Chakampudi, co-founder of Sky Air Mobility, a drones technology company in Hyderabad, to get a sense of what the liberalized rules could mean to the sector. Here's more. Swapnik, uh, good morning. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, welcome to this podcast. Uh, for starters, uh, uh, it'll help if you can tell us a little bit about uh, your work. Of course, today we're going to talk about uh, uh, drones and the new changes that have happened in India. Uh, and you're uh, an expert from within the industry, so we're looking forward to this. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself uh, and your company. Sure. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I am uh, Swapnik Chakampuri. I'm one of the co-founders at uh, Sky Air Mobility Private Limited. Uh, so, what we do at Sky Air is more focus primarily on drone delivery. Uh, it can be for various different uh, use cases, uh, either from private players to government uh, or retail users. Uh, so, we focus on providing a drone hardware platform and a software platform. Uh, so right now uh, we are uh, working towards developing a drone that can cater to various uh, delivery use cases and uh, parallelly also we are creating our own software platform for various use cases and deploying the drones for delivery purpose and uh, yeah some some bit about me i am i've done my uh, education uh, master uh, bachelor's in the us uh, and i did a, a pg course in ai and uh, I have worked in the U.S. for around three and a half years, uh, mostly for uh, the state uh, of uh, Louisiana, where we did a lot of uh, consulting on traffic and uh, a little bit of a smart city project. So this is where I got exposed to how technologies can be leveraged to make life better for the society, right? To solve the problems and make things better. That's where uh, I got I got a lot more interested in how what are the different ones because as part of the studies, we would suggest different uh, solutions, how to fix uh, various traffic congestion problems or connectivity problems across the city uh, in the state actually. So I got exposed there and that's where I got interested in drone and then we saw that there's a big opportunity to leverage drones to solve uh, real life use cases. So that's where uh, uh, after that, right now, this is where it has led me to, and we are at right now at Sky Air Mobility working on it. Hmm. 
and you started uh, sky air uh, on middle of last year and uh, and you, since you mentioned uh, hardware and software platform uh, explain that uh, to us a little bit what do you mean by that yeah so when i mean the hardware platform i mean physically the drone itself right um if you see uh, we are trying to cater to a whole different verticals industries and uh, users and 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 clients can be uh, different different uh, different you know different organizations or governments uh, right so one generally one type of drone doesn't work uh, in some use cases like we are speaking to currently uh, they have uh, payloads ranging from uh, half a kg to 5 kgs to 15 kgs right um, and also they have different requirements on the range uh, it can vary from half a kilometer to 8 kilometers to 17 kilometers uh and it's for different use cases and different environments uh sometimes it's in it's uh, inter campus uh sometimes it's uh, inter in a, you know between different towns you know they're really interested and in some of the use cases they really want to do it for 100 kilometers range right so you can't use one single drone so we are right now working on creating a platform that can be scaled up for different use cases or scaled down so it can cater to a use case that needs a range of uh, 60 to 90 kilometers with a payload of 20 to 25 kgs or it can be a, a smaller uh, range it can even be half a kilometer uh, and with a payload of maybe uh, half a kg to 2 kgs so we're trying to build up single platform uh, drone drone platform it's a one man uh, a platform that will cater to this uh, use case and uh, when i mean software platform is uh, is the platform where uh, anybody who wants to avail the services or manage the fleet of drones uh, for example one the way we work with clients is either we provide them and sell them the drone platform or we go ahead and operate we, we use our own uh, products and also operate it so when this uh, when you are providing it to them or operating it ourselves you need a software platform where you are Uh, handling all the requests that come in, you know, setting up and uh, you know feeding it into the system. Like when does it need to happen? From which point A to point B? Uh, and what are the payloads? Which type of drone do they need? Uh, so these are the some of the uh, avenues that we think we will should our software platform should make it very seamless and easy. Uh, which I mean, we can create a desktop app or a, a web. web service or mobile app for the clients that they can easily uh, you know schedule one and it should be very easy to operate and the app internally should be a single window interface uh, to get all the legal requirements you know register to digital sky communicate with the api or a, with the digital sky or a utm platform and manage all the other requirements that it needs to for a successful delivery Uh, let let's get to what we uh, the the most important thing that we wanted to discuss today which are the new changes in uh, the drone rules in india uh, give us some background uh, there were some rules that were released earlier on in the year i think around march and then uh, uh, there was a lot of feedback on that and now the government uh, has changed the rules and uh, uh, generally the feeling is they haven't liberalized quite a bit uh, tell give us the background and explain this to us yeah so uh, i think uh, to give a context i think the f- probably uh, 
what we need to start is from what the perspective the government started like a couple of years ago, right? It's been almost four years now since it is initially where uh, they saw the drones as a threat, right? As a way that they were very unsure about how they would, you know, handle it or control it. So there is no uh, incidents that happen uh, that is, uh, you know, that is probably triggers like the Jammu attack. Right, so they they felt like there couldn't be too many rogue, uh, rogue operators, and they had no way of you know uh, handling it or preventing it, so they went with a complete carpet uh, ban, uh, and uh, so that kind of uh, was not good. Obviously, it's not really good for the industry at all, uh, because uh, you're not this uh, technology is quite uh, powerful for a lot of different use cases right and it can it is needed in different uh, different industries uh, and for a country like india we have where we have so many problems that we can solve and make our lives overall better uh, it was not a good a good way to go right and there are a lot of budding uh, startups and entrepreneurs who are eager you know to work on this innovative solutions uh, but I think the government realized uh, along the way uh, I, I that uh, it's not that I, I'm not saying that they didn't realize it is uh, useful. They realized along the way that uh, there, there is a way, there is a method for us to work uh, with, you know, opening it up at the same time, uh, you know, making sure we can control and prevent uh, any incidents that are, uh, you know, that can, uh, that can lead to harm to general public. So they worked overall with the with the public, and they've released uh, uh, either behind the doors or, or publicly. They've worked with uh, on different initiatives and different organizations and different people in the industry to see how uh, how they can go ahead with it. Um, so uh, they they came out with a couple of rules that that defined at least a little bit of what is the space and what would you categorize drones as, you know, what type of drone is uh, in which category. Uh, the micro, small, uh, uh, or nano, right? And uh, what all requirements do you need? Uh, so initially, they came up with a lot of uh, strict requirements, uh, but they also realized uh, as if they kept more talking to everybody that okay, they need to open up a little bit more. And okay, if you have to, if to open up a little bit more, how do we make sure that it doesn't lead to more rogue operators, you know, using it for uh, nefarious activities? So they spoke to different people and uh, they realized that there are a lot of other anti-drone technologies that they can use. Uh, I think even DRDO is developing them for the government right now for all the defense and VIP, uh, you know, it's VIP protection. They have been working on it. Uh, so I think that gave them a little bit more confidence that, okay, uh, uh, you know, laws and regulations are not the way to go about, you know, the one that will be foolproof that we will be able to stop it but uh, we need to work with the industry uh, and you know use more technology that would help so that's that's where they've come out with uh, a lot of regulations where kind of the permissions that they required initially was around 25 different permissions they have scaled it down quite a bit and they've brought it down to four or five right now uh, and they've also made it a very uh, easy to apply in a single window platform called digital sky right uh, for and uh, they they like the one is the one of the biggest ones that takes time and uh, they've also removed as part of this regulation is a security clearance, 
for example, we have uh, applied uh, for uh, 100 hours of BV loss experiments. Uh, when I mean BV loss is beyond visual line of sight. Uh, experiments, uh, trials that the government, uh, central government actually wanted uh, private players to conduct. So we applied for it and we got permissions back in 2019 from DGCA and Ministry of Civil Aviation. Um, but one of the requirements for that to be done was a security clearance had to be done as, as part of the rules. Uh, when I mean security clearance, it's not uh, the clearance that, you know, when you go to the passport office and local uh, local police officers come in to check, this is the security clearance that has to be done by MHA. So that's a little bit more rigorous uh, and time-consuming process uh, for they do it for various their own reasons of national security purposes. Uh, so because I was the project coordinator for it and my remote pilot was involved in the pilot, uh, in the project, both of them, uh, both of us needed to get the security clearance done. And uh, it took us around six months uh, to get it. Uh, and even the companies that are involved in it uh, were uh, had to get security clearance done. And it's a little uh, companies a little bit uh, takes a lot lot longer because there's a lot more not lot more people and uh, information that has to be vetted about the organization. So that that if if uh, you want to do uh, you know the industry to expand and you know grow, you can't have security clearance done for every pilot. That's a very time consuming. Uh, in a process so they've all together removed that and now you don't need that and you can directly apply in a single platform called digital sky and it makes it very easy uh, because otherwise before you had to connect and send in emails out and apply uh, to dca or moca or authority of india or mha to get all of these clearance so it, it was time consuming now they made it very simple one single uh, platform to do that so that that and uh, that that is that that is where I think will make a very big difference to maybe a couple of organizations doing it because they're able to spend some time to a lot more organizations you know and individuals working on it. Mm. So now, what is the expectation from the time that you apply uh, to operate uh, drones uh, as a business? Um, how long do you think uh, realistically it will take for you to get the approval from this uh, digital sky uh, single window? Uh, honestly, I don't have the concrete answer for you right now because we still kind of, uh, I think uh, we'll have to work with them a little bit to get more idea on like own reality. What is it? Uh, when is it going to happen? Ideally, it should not take, I think, uh, I'm hoping that it should not take more than 30 days, 30 to 60 days. Uh, but uh, implementing that system like Distress Sky is, uh, has been a little bit of a challenge uh, so far, uh, but I hope that they have been able to resolve it and it will be a seamless uh, implementation and which, and I think once it gets streamlined, it should be less than 30 days, or I think or more probably way less than that right now, maybe in a year or two, uh, maybe, I mean, it's my estimation, I could be wrong, but uh, in a year, maybe it should take a week to get all of these permissions out or maybe in a day. Ideally, it should be a day at some point. Mm. Uh, you know, Prime Minister Modi was tweeting about how uh, India can become a, uh, a hub for drones and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I mean, give us a sense of what is the uh, real opportunity in India in terms of uh, drones. Yeah, 
So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very uh, encouraging and exciting to see uh, the prime minister himself involved in this. If you see for India, right, the use cases can span across every every vertical. Um, for example, in the delivery room, delivery space that we are in, uh, we are seeing interest from different hospitals. Uh, we are seeing different interest from uh, the state governments. We are seeing interest from uh, players in delivery space. Uh, e-commerce, we are seeing a lot of interest from the e-commerce giants. Uh, they are very curious and uh, they have partnered with us to do different trials so that they understand and you know how what is the state of the industry now, how they can use to leverage it, what type of business models they can use. And we've been working with them for almost a year, uh, not just in the space of drone itself, we're working with them how to you know, set up the business model and how will it be uh, they're talking to us uh, on that front. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the conversations with one of the clients that we had that was uh, very important and key to I think where drones can kind of uh, come in and play is that they see uh, they, they see that uh, in the future there's going to be a demand or expectations from the clients in the e-commerce space that the goods have to come a lot faster and a lot cheaper. Like the service has to be a lot cheaper than what it is and it has to be a lot faster. And it has to commercially make sense uh, for the people to offer it also. Uh, any of these big uh, e-commerce and delivery giants that they are working right now. And they see drones as a platform or avenue as one of the potential very promising solutions that is going to get them there, right? So uh, they are very keen on that and they're very eager to work with us and invest. So uh, they were very, we told mechanically this is what it's going to take. And they were like, yeah, we, we are, we are, when we know exactly what it does and we're more than happy to work with you to put that investment in and then make it grow because I think once we do the trials, uh, it will get validated that uh, you know, it's, it's a very powerful solution that can be leveraged. And uh, we're also working with a couple of state governments where they want to connect different primary healthcare centers, uh, right? So I think even healthcare as a infrastructure in our country is still not at the level that we all need it to be right for the healthcare is available for every uh, citizen um, so and for that you you need to connect uh, all it from like you know every village that probably has 50 to 100 uh, population needs to have the same level of access to medical uh, you know facilities or uh, you know medicines or vaccines or blood so it, it might not be uh, it, it it is too expensive for probably to establish the whole infrastructure and all that, but you can have nodal or you know uh, primary healthcare centers that have everything and drones uh, through drone corridors should be able to provide all the necessary uh, you know uh, equipment or medicines or vaccines that are needed at a, at a short moment's notice. So they they are very keen on that perspective. Uh, to state governments are very keen to set that up. Uh, a lot of state governments are actually already working with the uh, WEF to you know make it happen. Uh, not only that, you have a lot of agricultural use cases that are coming up. You have a lot of construction use cases, and then you're actually seeing everyday average farmers, right? You know they understand the use of drone. You know the drones are coming up. They're useful and they're very keen to understand. There's a lot of interest coming in and requests to you know. Can you guys help us uh, in this? And 
Uh, you also have a lot of construction uh, related use cases uh, for survey. Uh, there's a lot of security related use cases when monitoring and uh, surveillance. And in the future, I think you can probably leverage drones for not only for uh, big organizations, but into you know, everyday kind of households should be able to use drones also to, if there is anything that are away from home, uh, they, they should be able to leverage drones for that. Uh, a lot of people want to use drones in warehouses. Uh, so the use cases are we're still scratching the surface. So I think there's a lot more to a uh, lot more lot more to be done. And once you see actually drones getting smarter, uh, the lot use use cases will explode further because the drones should be able to do a lot more of AI uh, AI AI related tasks. Hmm. Uh, tell us about the uh, drone ecosystem in India. Uh, the drones that are currently in use. Uh, where are they coming from? Uh, are we able to manufacture them in India? Yeah, so uh, currently, uh, yes, I think we're still behind uh, on the manufacturing side and getting good uh, good products for, man, you know, uh, either manufacturing our own drones or assembling the drones. Um, but uh, I think uh, we see that because the ecosystem is growing a lot, and there's a lot of demand. Uh, we are seeing a lot of companies being set up uh, recently that uh, we don't have to go anywhere outside uh, to get any of the components or parts that we need to build the drone. Uh, and we becoming quite, uh, we are in the path for self-sufficiency, uh, but, uh, I, I, but even the rules actually right now, uh, they have loosened it up quite a bit and they're trying to encourage it uh, encourage manufacturing by setting up standards so that you when you need to export, uh, there's a standard that you adhere to, uh, and then there's a little bit of recognition coming from that. And uh, also uh, with the new rules that have come up, uh, any research institutions or R and D uh, or education institutions that want to you know do a lot of uh, develop new prototypes. Uh, do research on drones. You don't need to take two permissions to build a drone and test it. So any of those purposes, it's blanket approval that you have. Uh, you know, you can go ahead and conduct your trials and do your research. So it was not not before you couldn't do that. So this is all available now. So which is good. Uh, I think that will give a big push uh, for the Indian ecosystem to become uh, self sufficient. And we do see a lot of players coming in, a lot of investments from the big firms. Uh, uh, I think uh, even Reliance and Adani are very keen, and they have already invested or they're working with different uh, startups or internally in this to make this ecosystem of manufacturing a lot uh, robust right so we don't we not only we are we are you know self-sufficient but we should be able to soon in the future export it out to the world okay excellent thank you again for making time for this uh, swapnik thanks thanks Ari. thanks a lot for having me that was swapnik jakampudi that's it for this briefing you can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.